This Ear Biscuit is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase, go to squarespace.com and use our offer code R&L, R-A-N-D-L. Now, Squarespace is well-known for being incredibly easy to use. I mean, that's kind of the whole point. It makes a great-looking website, but it's incredibly easy to use. You don't have to know HTML. You don't have to know all this stuff. You just go on there. I don't, and even, you, know, I, I don't even, even know what HTML stands for. I don't want to know what it stands for. I didn't know it existed. But it could be the case that at some point during the process, you do need some help. You do need, need some support. They have a customer care, t- uh, customer care team that's available 20 four hours a day, seven days a week. If you didn't know, Link, that's every single hour in the week. Like, so there's is not this an like, hour this that they're is not like there. one guy. No, this is 100 people. No, it's one guy who just never sleeps. He has the gift. His name is Ralph. Okay, maybe that's Ralph. Yeah. No, I think this is 100 people who work for Squarespace, and at any given time, some of them are there to answer your questions. And I gotta be honest with you, this is important to me because I just this week, not kidding you, had an issue with support with a service that with, I use. With Squarespace? No, not with Squarespace. With another service that I use. Well, then and why are you, what other service? It was the service that I use to pay my homeowner's dues. So why were you calling Squarespace? I wasn't calling Squarespace. <laughs> I was calling this other service that takes care of my homeowner's dues, and they weren't there because they were like, we're sorry, the customer care team is sleeping now, jerk. You know, that's how I felt when I heard the voicemail. They, they were like, we're they not didn't here. have a Ralph. no. That's not going to happen with Squarespace. They're going to be there when you call. And that, you know, that's good because, you know, when you're building a website, sometimes you just need to talk to somebody. <laughs> True. Hey, what does HTML stand for? I know I'm, I don't have to know how you to use to it, but that. I'm just asking, you right. know. But you can start a free trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. But when you do dis, uh, decide to sign up, we think you will. Make sure you use the offer code R-N-L, that's R-A-N-D-L. You'll get 10% off your first purchase, and it's a really good way to support Ear Biscuits. And do not use their helpline as a dating service or for audio companionship. Use us for that here at Ear Biscuits. Let's make another one. Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Rhett. And I'm Link. It's time for another conversation with someone interesting from the internet. That, or not. What? Well, I mean, th- don't sell us that short. I mean, what I was going to say, this week, that interesting person is you, Link. Oh, <laughs> and you, Rhett. And me. Us. Okay, guys, Here, here's what we're going to do. Um, we're just going to interview each other. That's what Rhett and I have decided. We're going to interview each other. This is an experimental, fresh out, out of the out-of-the-box thinking type of ear biscuit here. Um, hopefully, I, I believe that this is going to be a wild ride of in-depth conversation between the two of us. Right, okay, so... Involving some Twitter questions as well. Yeah, I, I think the thing that we have discovered about ear biscuits is that it's been fascinating getting to know uh, all the people that we've talked to. And... We just have a feeling that because there is, or are, two of us. There is two of us. There is two of us. We are going to take advantage of the fact that there is two of us, and we're going to talk to each other, because I'm kind of operating on the premise that we know each other incredibly well, and we have discussed a lot together. We've also, incidentally, discussed a lot on the internet. People know a lot about our lives. but with you. But... I still believe there is quite a bit 
that I don't know about you and that you don't know about me. And maybe oh, things that need to be rehashed. And I don't mean like, let's go back and, you know, open up old wounds or maybe, I don't know, maybe that will happen. Dig up the buried hatchet? No, I don't think that no. will happen. Um, but maybe you're saying that, is there a challenge here that we'll see if we can learn something new about each other while the audience members out there yeah, that's where learn, I think the, learn about us and the intimacies of our I think that's the way the, workings? the magic is going to happen. I'm not kidding because... We thought about okay. Well, we sure. we we wanted to do a, a semi regular episode of Beer Biscuits where we talk to each other. So I will say at the beginning, uh, depending on how this goes, how we feel about it, and how you feel about it, uh, we're going to do it again if everyone agrees that this is something worth doing. So you so can let, let us know. Yeah, let us know on uh, Twitter, uh, hashtag Ear Biscuits. But we're not changing the course of Ear Biscuits. I, I, no, no, no. I, I do want to clarify. We have that. a lot of amazing guests lined up, and that's going to keep happening on. That will be the vast majority of what your biscuits is all about. Right. So every now and again, we just want to, if if this is something fun, this is something that works for everybody, maybe we'll bring it back uh, so, once a month or every so often. I don't know. We're not committing. But And the last thing I'll say before we dive into any, starting to interview each other is you just yawned. I'm just going to pull a glozel. I'm you're, calling you out. I'm already bored with you. <laughs> <laughs> what is up with that? Don't do that, man. It hasn't been that long of a day. Um. I love my job. Hmm. I love what I do. Hmm. And one of the, I mean, it's a privilege to be able to just dream up things and do it and to have you listen to us and enjoy hanging out with us. I mean, I'm sincerely thankful for that. Uh, One of my favorite parts of the job that I think is highlighted here in this exercise here Hmm. is we get to try new things it's you know the analogy of just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks and i think this is just another example of that it's energizing from a creative standpoint to try new things and just to see what happens i mean that that's the key to success and maintaining relevance in in the world of entertainment anyway i mean for us to be as successful as they have been and i i feel like it's trying to keep your head above water and maintain relevance and you just have to try new things and see what what works so that's exciting to me it's energizing doing not, the same thing i'm not doing to get old i'm not doing this to be successful link i'm doing this because i care about you <laughs> I want, did it sound like i was saying doing it to be successful i mean no i mean people might think that though what i well, what i'm trying to say you're is just that saying it, you're it's, kind of, a, it's a creative endeavor to te- try new trying things to innovate, and see what works trying to innovate and i'm just saying that i th- it, originally when we were like well let's do let's do an ear biscuit where we just talk to each other at first i was like let's just shoot the breeze you know let's just do it when we talk and see where the conversation goes but then it hit us it's like no the tone of this show is inquisitive right it isn't just two guys building on ridiculous ideas like we do every day on Good mythical morning it's inquisitive. It's like there's things that and personal. It's personal and it's inquisitive, and that's what we're going to do. So what we have done is we wanted to when we do a show like this, a special edition of a Retin Link only ear biscuit. We want to make it themed. So uh, we decided that let's just talk about childhood. Okay, now we've done this thing where we talk about people's childhood and their career and all this stuff. Maybe we'll get to all those things with us, but we wanted to start with childhood. So we've come up with some questions for one another, but we also prompted our Twitter followers. Link did this, and I did this earlier. We said, hey, do you have any questions for the other that you want us to ask one another? And uh, so we have a collection of questions that we've come up with and a question, a collection of questions that you have come up with, and we're just going to go back and forth and see where this goes. Yeah. 
us, us, we've never interviewed each other. I've asked you questions. Yeah, I've asked in you, life. I've been like, where you want to go for lunch? Yeah, kind of questions that you did that today, and we went to that uh, place. I got Huevos Rancheros. It was we very went to good. The, we went to that place. I still taste it. Okay, um, is that your first question? No, because <laughs> l- lunch is over. It's can it's, you still uh, taste what you ate for lunch? See, <laughs> si, I can. I cannot. Um, I think this is a good place to start. We're gonna. I mean, this is not my question. This is from. Bob Saget has swag on Twitter. Oh, I thought that was Bob Sage et has swag. Uh, tell the story of how you became Blood Brothers. Um, Not really a question, but we'll go with it anyway. Would you please tell us the story? What if I added that? It would be polite. Um, okay, so the story of us becoming Blood Brothers, I, I think we may have mentioned it in places, but I don't know that we've ever fully unpacked the true story of the Blood Oath Packed, which that, re- it really happened that we really made uh, in high school. So, and it has been uh, cataloged or uh, represented in our documentary that we made uh, years ago called "Looking for Miss Locklear," where we kind of tell the story about the blood oath that we made. And in the movie, we reenact that, and we or we we say we went back Actually, to the same place. No, we talked about how we went to the rock. To the well, rock, right. Yeah, but yeah, we yeah, didn't yeah, talk yeah. about the blood we oath. We didn't say the blood oath. We might, I don't know where we talked about it. We talk about things all over the place, but this is going to be the definitive place to tell this story now. Right. Um, I really think it starts with the cow pasture, don't you? I mean, that's the location of the blood oath, so I think that's the starting point. Yeah, so we, we, we grew up in Bowie's Creek, North Carolina, near uh, – a country club, not in the country club. We weren't those kinds of people, so don't judge us. We were outside of the country club, very near to a place called Keith Hills. So right. this is a golf course. Yeah, a, an 18-hole at the time golf course. Right. And what hole was it that was on the f- like the far edge of the golf course? Hole three? It was hole, hole number. Two. It was hole number six. Oh, it was hole number six, which is now uh, it's they changed the back nine and the front nine, so it's whatever that would be. It's the six hole, of the back nine. So I guess that would be hole number. 16. I've never played golf. I'm glad, I'm honored that you're asking me. Uh, hole number 15. So you're like asking me math <clears throat> plus golf, and my mind is blown. It was hole number six, and I'm just telling you this because it's the old number six. And if you have, to, if you happen to live in the area, if you go down there and it's a par four that goes up a hill, and then to the right, there's a creek, and across the creek, there is a cow pasture that was constantly filled with cattle. And this was more attractive to us. Not that we were attracted to cows. <laughs> I mean, we did grow up in Bowie's Creek, but that's not what I mean. <laughs> we were more attracted to the cow pasture than we were to the golf course, especially Link. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> that's true. So what we would do is we would, um, after school, I mean, we had to have been like 16 years old because you would we would drive our cars. I know we would ride our bikes. We might have been 14 or 15 when we started doing this, but we would go out to the cow pasture. Oh, no, it was a middle, it, it, we started in middle school because Ben Greenwood was the one who came up with the idea and we were really active with Ben in, in, in all throughout uh, right. elementary school and especially middle school. So our favorite hobby was to go across the golf course, across the stream into the cow pasture and chase the cows. Uh, it just a... Uh, you just called Bowie's Creek a stream, just so you know. That was Bowie's Creek. That was the creek oh, of Bowie's. Really? You called it the stream. I did. I did not. Yeah, I, I never I, knew I'm, that. I'm per- you didn't know that until right now. I've already learned something. I didn't know that was Bowie's Creek. That we- was Bowie's Creek. Wow. It ran behind my house, and then it kept going all the way through Keith Hills, and then. Oh, so nothing is more exhilarating in the town of Bowie's Creek than having a herd of cattle flee your presence, and it's just exhilarating to. 
uh, do that until the farmer shows up and chases you off. But there was a pond there that the cows would get in, and around the pond there were some rocks, one of which was a very big rock with then, I'm talking, it was probably a five-foot-tall boulder. It was big. It was it was obviously a rock that had been dug up out of the ground. You know those farm ponds that are completely rectangular and they have two hills of dirt on each side of them because man they just dug it out with a big tractor. So this big rock comes out and a little rock beside it. And for some reason, we and this is what we talked about in, in the intro to the film, was we devised this plan where we would just have these long drawn out conversations after we were, when we were resting from chasing the cows, we would sit down on the rock and we came up with this system that whoever was sitting on the big rock would have the floor to talk. And then the other person would sit on the small rock and listen and can only ask questions to keep the conversation going. We need that here on Ear Biscuits. It was very like much- a bigger chair and a littler chair. It was very much like an Ear Biscuit, wasn't it? Well, it was, it and was kind of like this. And then after a while we would, you would have your time and then you would trade spaces and the person would sit on the big rock and they would have the floor to dictate the conversation. And I want to be clear here that our conversations, I I don't remember a a whole lot of details, but that is what we're going to kind of talk about is what we ended up talking about. Our conversations were... Uh, probably if we were to go back and listen to them now, we would be, we would laugh at the, what we thought, how we thought the things that we said to each other, but we weren't just talking about what it was like to be in middle school. We were talking about the future. We were always talked about the future. We were certainly talking about girls at times. Um, we would talk about what you would imagine that kids would talk about. Look at that big cow. What, but we would talk about things like that. Yeah. What if, what if that cow could fly? Would you ride it? You know, what if, what if, I, I don't know, just stupid stuff. Very amateur middle school, uh, you know, philosophical questions. But the thing that strikes me but is we that- we were very future oriented as well. Yeah, we, we would talk about- Dreams. What it was that we wanted to do. And, and, I, and I, I want to be clear here that, you know, we grew up in Bowie's Creek, which was an amazing place to grow up, but it was not the kind of place that you just naturally- uh, you didn't think about careers in entertainment or comedy. You didn't know anybody who did that kind of thing. So there wasn't a, any real sense that that was going to happen. But we decided one day that we started talking more about we wanted to do something, just this big uh, something that we didn't know what it was, but we wanted to do it together. Right. When we grew up. We wanted to, yeah, and... um First of all, I'm sure this whole future orientation is something that knowing you and knowing myself better now, I can pretty much bet that this that whole future bend is something that came from your mind because you just were always, that's how you think. Whereas the whole system of who was talking when and how we how we talk. You came up with that. You could, the rules <laughs> of analyzing questions, I'm sure that was probably my idea. I can't remember, but just the way that our brains work differently uh, I could see how that would come together, but yeah, we would t- we would talk about what what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? We're gonna and it wasn't we didn't talk about entertainment at first. I think we did. We certainly knew we liked to entertain and show off and and take advantage of any audience that we could find. But the I but we can't. But we had the idea to do the blood oath without saying okay, we're definitely going to be filmmakers. It was. Let's make a blood oath that we're going we're gonna to be teammates in creating something. We're going to be like business partners 
in whatever we do that like, yeah, we're friends now, but we, we have a sense that we're going to, we're going to like make something big. I don't know what it is, but we should probably write it down. And then, well, if you're going to write it down, we should probably cut ourselves and (laughs) sign it in blood. I mean, and that's what we did. We took two sheets of paper out there. We wrote down, we wrote something that was, I mean, unfortunately I'll go ahead and tell you, uh, we don't have these sheets of paper anymore, as sad as that is. And in fact, Link is the one that would, st- I, I lose everything, or I used to lose everything. You lose things more now than I do now. But back in those days, you collected everything, right? Oh, but, yeah. you, but you don't have the, the paper, but I can attest to you that it, it, it did exist at one point. And we wrote something that was like, we're gonna do something awesome, and we're gonna do that something awesome together. Now let's cut ourselves. And do you remember how we cut ourselves? I think it was like a shard of glass that was like laying in yeah, the- Yeah, it was like a it was like a sharp piece of glass. In the dirt. Yeah, yeah. It was this is not advised, by the way. And we cut our palms. Yeah, you should cut your if you're gonna do a blood oath, you should cut like prick the end of your finger. Why yeah. well, why cut your freaking Well, I've palm? I've established that we were misguided. But <clears throat> And we, I kept that thing in my wallet for for like two and a half years. Yeah. And then I lost the whole wallet. That's the problem. <laughs> oh, oh, that's what happened with you. I lost the whole wallet. Yeah, yeah. I just went I, home and probably set it down, and then you know my mom threw it away. But it meant a lot. <laughs> it meant the it, idea. It, it meant a it. lot. The idea. I was de- definitely committed to the idea. Uh, yeah. So that that was the question from uh, Bob Bob Saget has swag. That that's the story. So I guess from that point on, it wasn't necessarily something that we talked a lot about. But there was always this guiding principle that was well. It's in blood. You yeah, know, yeah. You well, know we, we don't have to talk about it all the time to know that it's going to happen. Yeah, we 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 we've got it. We've got to stay committed to this amorphous idea mm-hmm. that we're going to do something together. Something big. The word "big" was definitely in it. Now, here, here, are you going to ask me a question now? Yeah, you yeah, want to go first. I'm going to. Yeah, I, I'm going to move. There, there's another question that I think is is, is good for, for the both of us to discuss, kind of like that. But I want to move this into a more one-on-one okay. place. Um, it's a little weird. Yeah, this is going to be strange. Go, I, go I, I it. like it, though. <laughs> um, now, when we first met, we met in first grade. I moved from North Carolina. To, I mean, I moved from California to North Carolina, and I met you at the time. You were at Bowie's Creek Elementary School. Do you think I forgot? You know, you, I'm this just, is for the benefit of the audience. This is for every, everyone listening. And uh, we met on that first day, and you know, there's a movie about that. <laughs> um, but you were living with your mom and your stepdad Jimmy mm-hmm. at the time, right? Which was in Bowie's Creek. Now, Jimmy Caps. Before that, where did you live? I'm ne- I don't know this. Before you moved in with Jimmy, where'd you live? My mom and dad split up when I was two years old. And where were they? I don't remember. I was two. They weren't. I do remember. Well, I know. I don't remember. Uh, my dad was a farmer at the time, like a tobacco farmer in Boone Trail, uh, which is like, I mean, you know, you le- between Lillington and Sanford, there's like nothing out there except fields. And, uh, you know, some of those were my dad's. And then a trail to and, Boone. Uh, I guess so. And there's, um, so that's where I was born. And, so, but uh, my, I mean, my first memories are m- my mom got remarried to Jimmy, and uh, they were fr- They were like friends from like high school, and mm. yeah. So they had known each other for years, and then they had both went through a divorce, and then 
I think rebounded. They both had, they were in the rebound marriage together. They're not together now. When I was 13, they got divorced. But my, my first memories are in that house that where you met me uh, with Jimmy and my, my stepsister. The, the, the house in Bowie's Creek. With, Emmy, with Emmy. His, his daughter. So, but where, but your mom, okay, so you were in Boone Trail. And I, I remember, I guess I remember the house that I was like born in where my mom and dad lived. I'm pretty sure. And then where did, sure where did your mom live? My dad still lived the, there. After the divorce from your dad. I'll explain why I'm asking this in a second. Oh. Um, I think that she moved into a trailer in my, in her parents, like in next An- door Andrew. to her parents. Yeah. In Andrew. In Andrew. I asked Why? I asked this because I've never thought about this. Yeah. It's this is pretty this is kind of crazy to think about too. Um I know why I was in Bowie's Creek. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I, I came to Bowie's Creek because mm-hmm. my dad got a job at Campbell Law School teaching law. Still teaches law at Campbell Law School until this day. Um and that's why we moved from Thousand Oaks, California to Bowie's Creek, North Carolina. And I never really th- thought about the fact that like you were in Bowie's Creek because your mom married a guy who lived in Bowie's Creek. Yeah, Jimmy had a house, and that was. And, and I just want to point out that that was that was the seminal moment. You know, if, if your mom had been like, you know, let's just stay here in Boone Trail, or I'm going to stay in Andrew, or she had not had a romantic connection with her former high school classmate Jimmy mm-hmm. Caps, you would have never been at Bowie's Creek School because I always wonder. I was like, what? I, I didn't know why your mom was in Bowie's Creek. You know, because it was a. Or why Jimmy was there? Because all of my family is in Lillington. Other, other places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No family. I mean, uh, within fifteen minutes. And so we he, can thank Jimmy Caps for this. There would have been no blood oath if there hadn't been a Jimmy Caps. We should call him right now. I don't have his number. Okay. I mean, I remember the number that when I lived there. It's probably the same number. Okay. Well, I'll just put it out there, and then anyone can call it if they want to. <laughs> Do you remember the number? My first phone number where we were friends. This is a really good question because <laughs> can you remember a phone number? Well, no, but do you no? I think this is something that younger people today will not will not uh, understand. We knew everyone's phone number. Like I remember Leslie Peoples phone number. My oh, you all know, the all the girlfriends, my first girlfriend. And your close and, now there was a speed dial, but yeah, you had to basically know everybody's phone number because you had to punch it in. You couldn't pull it up on some smart device. Okay, I'm going to give you the number that we can bleep out. The okay nine one zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight nine three. Nope, that's close though. Yeah, wow, that's pretty close. I mean, that's amazing. I have not dialed that. that I have not dialed that number since what? What year? Uh, for like twenty five years. I, and I almost got it right. Yeah, and, but I did get it right. Do, but it do you my remember number. my phone number, which is still my yeah, parents' that, phone I mean, number? That's easy. I'm not gonna Give say it to it. me. It's still your parents' phone number. I don't want them to have to beep anything out. It's too much work. You know that you know it though. Yeah, I'll definitely know it. You want to call it right now? Yeah, but I call it all the time. Talk to your mom. Okay. We just we just we have a connection. <laughs> That's good. Me and uh, Mama Mom, Di. Mama Di, we call her Diane. Right? Uh, but it's weird. It's we- I mean, your parents are still together. It's it's weird having your first memories and growing up in a house where I know this guy's not my dad. He's just a stepdad who, like, I didn't have that much of a connection with him. It was like, it. there was this feeling of, well, you're not my real dad. You're just my stepdad. You're my mom's uh, husband, so we're not going to be that tight, you know? He still spanked you, though. But 
he and he and he should have and he needed to the times that he did he probably should have done it more than that but we weren't that close and it was this thing of okay I have a sister but she's not really my sister and I don't like her and I don't like her even more because I can I have permission to like her even less because she's not a real sister mm. and I don't have to really love Jimmy I can just either like him or not or tolerate him that that's kind of what I grew up in and that was that's all I knew but it was I mean I was certainly envious when I go to your house uh, as a youngster and like, oh, look at this happy family. There's two brothers who are real brothers and both the parents actually live there and <laughs> they uh, they drink milk for dinner. We did. Is, we, isn't that nice? We drink a lot of milk. That's why I'm six foot seven. And Kids. I remember thinking, wow, I'm going over to a house where there's like an intact family. Like there was a sense of you, pressure. You, you, thought, you thought about that. Yeah, and I was like, I guess if the parents are still together, you drink milk for dinner. Well, and you know, that never- And it, I hated milk. It never crossed my mind. I, I never thought, like, it, I, never, I never was like, I wonder, this is, kids don't think about this. I think kids nowadays think about this because they're more like in tune with what everyone's feeling. Because of the internet. But- I, I definitely didn't think about that. I never thought that. Like, I wonder how Link feels about this. Does the fact that you know I have a, a dad and mom who live together? Do, how, how does this affect him? And I also did not ask the probably the more important question, which was how does the fact that he lives with a stepdad affect him? I mean, we didn't even talk. Well, and, like and you not, didn't even think about that. At really. nine, nine years old, you don't have you don't have these type of uh, deep conversations. Matter of fact, you don't have them until you have an ear biscuit without a guest. Well, but you know the sad thing, and you, uh, you know this, uh, probably by the time when this ear biscuit comes out, my parents will not be in that house. That is sad because I have a lot of memories of, of, of uh, you know, being jealous of your family in that house. No, I, I wouldn't say. I, I, <laughs> They're I, moving I, on. My parents I, bought I a new house. I don't think that I was jealous. But, um, and Jimmy wasn't a bad guy. Remember he built that fort oh, yeah. for me? And uh, really for us, like you were pretty much the only friend that came to my house and we would walk out I there. I went to a lot of people's houses. Not, not to make you feel, not to make you feel bad. I went to your house more than anybody's, but I was addicted to spending the night at people's houses. I would, there would, I would meet a new kid at school. He would be there a week and I would invite myself to spend the night with him. I don't understand why. I was just like, hey dude, can I spend the night at your house? Can I look in your refrigerator and see what your family's like? I, I think it's a... I mean, it's a personality thing, but I also think it, it may be a sense of security. I was absolutely terrified to stay at anybody else's house. I mean, that one time that we had that sleepover at Adam Nicholson's house, and he, and he showed us Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah. and then afterward, we walked around in the dark in the woods in pitch black, and we're like in fifth grade. Yeah. Like, I was terrified, man. And then I opened his refrigerator and it was like wow there's a lot of food all over the place in here yeah, the refrigerator was scary i was my refrigerator fascinated by him. was was very neat and very orderly and that made me secure as secure as i could be but i guess i was still i didn't have the security of 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 comfort of of uh to be able to leave home but we had that fort. It was basically just, you remember it was just two trees. I remember it. With two two-by-fours connecting between the two trees, like eight feet in the air. It was probably like five feet in the air, but we just felt like it was really tall. Well, it was the kind of fort that you get you, you get up there, and then you sit there, and you're like, well, what do we do now? And then you get down out Come of the fort. Come back down. Right? <laughs> it's, but Jimmy made that It was awesome to me. be up there for a few seconds. Um, okay, I should ask you a question you at this point. Um, did you, or do you resent... Your dad. Yes. No. Oh. No. <laughs> finish the question. Let me finish the question. 
Do you resent your dad for all the basketball drills he made you do? I, I, I really want to know how you feel about that today. I know we've talked about the fact that your dad was basically the, the impetus in, in both of us going to engineering instead of going to film school, which by the time we were graduating from high school, that was the application of the blood oath was, let's go to film school at, at UNC Asheville. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, you need to do something sensible, Rhett. And I'm like, well, I'm, okay, I'll do that too. Um, but he wanted you to be a basketball player in college. And he made you do all these drills. Like how, how there were, there was a span there when I couldn't, you were like, oh, don't come over to hang out until I've done my drills. So I'd have to wait two hours. Mm-hmm. How, how much, <clears throat> you were being groomed to be a basketball star. Well, I. I for nothing. Do you hold that against your dad? For nothing? That's my question. <laughs> well, then that was a statement. For mo- for nothing? Question mark? Um, You're not a basketball player. I was one heck of a basketball player at one point, though. And I could still beat you. Well, first, first, before you give you <laughs> at least categor- characterize the amount of work that you put into it and, and how your dad was involved in it. Yeah, that. okay. So, you know, uh, I was tall. That's a well-known fact. I still am. Uh, I was athletic. That's disputed at this point, but I was very athletic, played all, all kinds of sports and was successful at them and loved them and was very competitive. Still am competitive, but um, I, I wanted to succeed. I mean, I had an older brother, three years older than me, uh, two years older in, in age and three years in school, and we were very competitive. We played a lot of basketball. We were a very athletic family. My dad was very much into sports, and so we were too. Um. So as soon as I, I was self-motivated up to a certain extent, I was very self-motivated. Eighth grade, you know, I wanted to be the basketball star. When we got to high school, all I could think about was getting onto the the JV team. By the end of my freshman year, I'd been put on the varsity team to play in the the state playoffs. And I was, and, and I just thought, I mean, it had definitely been ingrained in me that, listen, like you can be a basketball star you can uh, pay for your college this way. And you got to understand that, you know, from a very young age, not only was I interested in basketball, but I was the ball boy, one of the ball boys for Campbell basketball. I remember how much I was into Campbell basketball. Yeah. Went to every single game. I was the ball boy along with my brother and Brooks Lee and Michael Juby. And um, I wanted that really bad. It was like really important. So, when high school r- rolls around and then it's just like, okay, now you've got to get good so that you can get recruited and play college basketball. My dad, my dad was not, he, he was, uh, he wasn't overbearing. It was, I mean, he, he has that kind of personality and people see that he, you go to a basketball game and my dad's there. He's going to yell at the ref. He's going to yell at the coach. He's going to yell at me if I'm on the court. Ne- I, I don't know if something about my personality. I never, it never hit me until later in life that like that should have been embarrassing. Hmm. Like to have your dad yell at you to do something differently from the stands in high school in front of everyone. Like most people would be embarrassed by that, but I was like, just pull like, pull your pants up. I was like looking at him and then the coach would, coach Gage would have to tell me, he was like, don't listen to your dad. Listen to me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And wow. I was just like, Oh, okay. I, you know, so there but was, you didn't care. I didn't care. I wasn't embarrassed by it. And then he would be like, you need to, you know, you need to do these drills. Uh, you need to do the 300 shot drills. So I would do things where I would shoot 300 shots a day. Uh, How long does it take to shoot 300 shots? I, I don't know. I, got ball, and I had ball handling drills. 
uh, and, and first of all, you got to understand, I was actually, I was very naturally talented and did a lot of work, but I didn't do nearly as much work as a, as a guy who actually ends up being a great player does. But then but, he, he but got Rhett, like the strength shoes. Yeah, so Rat had a, in, in his front yard, he was basically at the, at the end of a dead end street, not really a cul-de-sac, but there, you had your dad put a basketball goal out there. Mm-hmm. And then, so you would play on the street because it was the end of the street. But then I, I remember coming over there one day and under the basketball goal, there were three increasingly larger sized boxes. Boxes made out of plywood. Oh yeah. And and the and the the pa- tallest, painted painted burgundy. And the tallest one was like four and a half feet tall. No, it was big enough to for a for a white man like me to jump up onto and from then, the ground. I was like, Rat, what's this? And then he's like, Well, I it's my strength shoe boxes. And then you had these shoes. It's it shoes, shoes that looked like the Starship Enterprise turned upside down. Yeah. It was a shoe, but then it had a platform built off of the, the front toe. of the balls of the feet. But just the toe. So that your heel was suspended in air and you were forced to only use the balls of your feet to run around. Yeah. Sounds like a torture device, right? Well, and it was supposed it was. to it was supposed to increase your vertical I couldn't jump, but I was tall and it didn't really matter. It was supposed to increase your vertical leap and your quickness and all these things. You know, my dad also had the big ball. You remember that? Yeah, a big basketball. It was a, a ball that was a few inches bigger than a normal basketball, and if you could shoot with the big ball, then you could shoot with the regular ball. You know, the interesting thing, sidebar, my dad is still into these devices. My dad is a prolific golfer. He plays once a week and he's probably going to, he's going to retire soon. He's going to play all the time. And he wears strength shoes? He has, if you, you know, you're watching TV and you see a, a, a device, a golfing device being sold. My dad has that. Like every single thing that you can buy, every contraption, every driver, it, he has all of it. And every time I talk to him, he's like, I got the so-and-so saying so, it's a thing that'll make you break your wrist in the right place. And so I see that going back, and I'm and I'm the same way. You know, he's compul- the gimmick, the gimmick. Yeah, he's into the gimmicks. He's into the you know, things com- being compulsive about that, and so am I. But the, your question was, do I resent that? I don't because, because there were long hours. I mean, you would have to wear the strength shoes and jump up on the box, jump down, jump up on the bigger box, jump down, jump up on the third big box, jump down. I mean, this is like it. Whenever I came to visit you, it was like, man, it's like going to a. Uh, like a a torture camp, like Guantanamo. I I, I honestly can say I, I don't resent it. I mean, it, <laughs> it, 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 here's what here's what happened. I worked pretty hard, a lot harder than most kids work at their sport, probably. And I was good at it. You know, I had a lot of success. I had the opportunity to play college basketball. I turned it down so we could go to NC State and be engineers. That's kind of a different story, but. The the idea of being taught that, no, you have to work hard. You have to practice. You have to devote X amount of hours to this if you're going to be better than everyone else at it. If you're going to be the best. Yeah, because this isn't just some hobby, right? This is like, do you want to be the best at this? And I just think that's how, that's how my dad thinks and that's how he taught me to think. And so I think that... The, the the long story is that we ended up getting and we started this band, the Wax Paper Dogs, and we thought that we were going to be rock stars, and that immediately d- took me off of the basketball track. And I was yeah. like, I don't want to do this. Superseded the basketball aspirations. Yeah, because I was like, you know, I'm not going to be in the NBA. I wasn't that good. You know, I might go to like a lower level Division One college and and basically just be a basketball player. But I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to play music. And what is Link going to do? Because we wanted to go to the same school and the Blood Oath. 
Yeah, the blood oath. It all comes I mean, back to the blood oath. And, I, my, and my dad accepted that. And he and I know that he, it let him down a little bit because he wanted one of his kids to be a college athlete. I know that for a fact. And I had, and my brother was very good at basketball too. And he could have played at a smaller school too, but he ended up going to Carolina. He wanted to, um, you know, go to a, a good school and get a get a real degree. And so I ended up doing the kind of the same thing. And so I know that that was a disappointment. But he he never let me know it. He never said it. Ne- he never said anything. When I decided, hey, I'm going to NC State. So no, I don't resent it. It wasn't overbearing. It was just he's he's an intense individual. But uh, I think I needed that. I I remember kind of watching from the side. Well, literally watching from the sidelines. I was certainly was no basketball player. Um, but not only that, but watching from the sidelines of this whole drama of are you going to be a basketball player? And we didn't talk about this blood oath thing when we're like juniors and seniors in high school. It wasn't like, man, you can't be a basketball player because we, we signed a blood oath like a couple of years well, ago. But we did talk about it a little bit because remember we went through that whole phase where we talked about UNC Asheville because I was being recruited by UNC oh, Asheville. Yeah, I re- but I, I remember thinking that I, I just couldn't, it's not like I could make an argument to convince you that you shouldn't be a basketball player, you know? Uh, but I remember being nervous about it. I was like, well, you know, we had this kind of vision for what we were going to do, and it was being threatened, but it was just something that I couldn't, I couldn't press. But I also feel like when we made the decision to be engineers, um, we also kind of concurrently made the decision, I think, passively, that this blood oath thing was probably just this, like, we're going to be friends forever. Yeah. Because I, I, I think that it, the practical really overpowered the dream. And we didn't have a lot of opportunity. It was like, well, we're not going to film school. That seemed like the only shot that we had at this. I'm not going to move to Los Angeles, you know. I'm not going to. Well, we didn't even talk about that. No, it wasn't. We didn't, didn't, we Los didn't, Angeles didn't exist. We didn't know a person, a a person who had ever moved to Los Angeles. I had moved from there as a child, but we didn't know anybody who moved there to do anything. Not one person. We never discussed it. Yeah, yeah. It was totally off the radar. So I, I just think we, you know. Yeah, we, and as engineers, it was the type of thing that, yeah, it was just, okay. Yeah, now we're just going to do this, but we're still friends. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and listen, I, I don't want to, I also want to isolate this conversation to childhood and high school. And I don't want, okay, we, yeah. we, we, we can talk about the, the career stuff. Sure. Let's let's move it back a little bit. Do so you have another question? I have for another me? question for you. Um, and that question is, why did you care about school? Because let me premise that with, I cared about school because I was scared of my dad, as we've established. Loved my dad, respected my dad. I was fearful of my dad uh, because he did not put up with, you know, he didn't put up with. Uh, bad performance, including grades. And so it's just like, I was always a straight A student, except for conduct, I had problems in conduct, but I got straight A's in the subjects. And if I made a B, it was a, it was a really big deal. You can't make a B in the McLaughlin household. That's a failure, right? So I, I carry that all the way through high school, all the way through college. And never made a C, always made a B. That was the worst I ever did. But you did exactly the same thing. Actually, probably were a, a slightly... Definitely a better college student than I was, and a slightly better uh, high school student. Why? What? Why did you care? I was just naturally smarter than you. <laughs> no, 
no. Um, I don't know. I, I think I, I just felt like, and it wasn't this, well, if you're going to do something, you got to do it to the best of your ability. It wasn't uh, an external um, value that I was taught. Um, but I think it, and I don't know that it, but on the other extreme, I don't know that it was kind of a people-pleasing thing, but it was like, well, if, I mean, I mean I'm a student, I'm supposed to do the best that I can. I, I, it was just... But if you had it brought home a C, it was just an approach. There was your mom would your your mom would have been disappointed, but that would be the end of it. No, my mom was not a disciplinarian in in any in any way, really. I mean, uh, I was her only child, you know, and, and the only child she would ever have. I think that she had that sense. So, you know, I was the baby. It was there was not a lot of discipline going on, or. Um, so she was not driving me to do it, but it was something that I've just always had that, uh, and I don't think it's a good thing, by the way, that I just felt like, well, okay, I'm just supposed to, I just, I have to be good at this. And I, so I don't, I don't even think I know. I think now there's. What were you scared of though? Because. I wasn't scared of anything. Well, I would maybe just feeling like a failure. It's like if you don't do your best, you just feel like, well, I just kind of like, well, if I'm going to do this, I have to, I have to really try. I wasn't trying to please anybody, so I don't know. What do you think? Well, I got you. Do you have a theory? No, I don't. I just it, it and I and it hit me recently. Because in because I know because I, I like I said I know exactly why I never slacked off. Right I, I, there was my parents, both both my mom and my dad. They just instilled this. Fear. My mom used to say all the time, like even as we were going off to get ready to go to college, she was like, "Now you've gotten by with straight A's in high school just because you're smart, but when you go to college, everybody's smart, and you're really gonna have to work." So I remember that first semester, me and you roomed together, and we just studied our Killed freshman it. year. We just studied it. all the time. You know, four freshman year, and at a certain point, you realized that. You didn't care that much, and it didn't matter sophomore, to work less. Sophomore year. I never had that realization. Like, you'd be out, you and Greg, our roommate, you'd be out playing video games, and I would be studying for, like, four more hours because just a blind sense of obligation to, well, if you start it, you have to finish it, and you have to do as good as you can. If you don't do the best that you can do, you're robbing yourself of something. Uh, I mean, maybe my Nana kind of taught me that, if you're gonna mow grass, don't just don't just make sure all the grass is cut. Make sure it's cut the best it can be cut because I cut all her, her neighbor's yards. And that she said, don't half-ass anything. The only time I heard my Nana cuss as a kid was when she told me that. <laughs> don't so, half-ass the grass. Don't half-ass the grass is the only time I ever heard a cuss uh, uh, as a kid. Now she's just, you know. She's found she out she for a woman now. She doesn't care, neither do I. <laughs> but... I don't know that it she instilled instilled that. I think it I think it was I don't know I don't know. It was just I just if I can't do it I have to do it and I'm going to be a failure if I don't. Mm. Yeah, well, I did, yeah, cuz it didn't hit me until by, by the, college by college it was a I got to make the best grades because that that links directly to getting a good job and I've always been anxious about money. I don't think money was related to grades at a young age though. I should I should give you another question. You should. Wasn't it weird watching horror movies with your mom? 
I, I know that as a kid, she would like put on Hellraiser and watch it with you, but yeah, she would. And you've kind of talked about it as, isn't this funny? And like you come from this like really conservative family, and but in this particular area, it you and that was kind of the joke that your mom literally, when you were in middle school, watched Hellraiser with you. She would go and rent a video videos all the time, and then you you'd watch horror movies with her. Yeah, and well, and, and, and after that Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I've I I, I wouldn't watch a horror movie for until I graduated from college. I think the deal with my mom is that she took the uh, the most motion picture associations uh, guidelines very, 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 literally it said parental guidance, you know. <laughs> uh, so she guided you in front of the television right. to watch it with her. Yeah, yeah, as long as she was there. It's Hellraiser's like, not PG, dude. No, no, it's I'm, R. It's restricted. It says parents strongly cautioned. It says, you know, uh, children not permitted without their parents, but that means you are permitted with your parents. <laughs> <laughs> I well, think what age were you when you saw Hellraiser with your mom? Middle school, man. And what was that experience like? Because awesome. Because for me, that would have been I, the worst thing ever. I I loved it then. I love it now. My mom, my mom is this. You know, my mom. She's the sweetest lady. She is. She is, first of all, she's the sweetest lady, but she's she's still very conservative, and but she has this part of her which is dark side. No, no, she likes that kind of thing, and and she she called me, she te- she texted me you know, a couple of months ago whenever this movie was in the theater, and she was like, "I just watched Insidious two in a theater all by myself." <laughs> So it, you know she <laughs> she's this this me, not me, not only meaning she didn't have a date like your your dad didn't go with oh, her. Oh, my mom goes to movies by herself. But there was no one else in the theater. She was the only one. And then it, and she said something like it was so scary, but I loved it. <laughs> so and I'm to, I totally relate to that. She 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 instilled that when we invited all of our friends over here for uh, my birthday to watch The Conjuring. Well, well that that's the point. You want you had to get together for your birthday, and that was the idea. It was to get a bunch of grown men together and to scare the crap out of them and watch them act like little children, and that's what they did. It was embarrassing. I was embarrassed for half of those, those guys. Now I was scared out of my <laughs> mind, but I loved it. I don't know. It's just that we it's, we like thrills like that in my family, and my mom has just always been like that. Was it weird? N- no, it was awesome. Did it affect me negatively? I don't know. I still like horror movies. But I turned out okay. I went to my dad's. I had visitation every other weekend, and I and uh, he. Play, I remember he rented Lethal Weapon Two, which has a sex scene in it. And uh, I guess by the time the sex scene came on, and I was like in third grade or something, and he didn't. You know, it was like he just let it roll. Regular speed. Regular speed. I watched a lot of sex scenes in fast forward. <laughs> With your mom. A lot of really quick thrusting. <laughs> yeah, oh gosh, because that's horror movies. There's got to be the sex scene. Lethal Weapon 2, I mean, it's a great movie, but there's a sex scene that uh, I wouldn't recommend for any of my kids or a third grader. Yeah, my, my mom never let the sex scenes just live in their regular pace. That would have that, that been wrong. <laughs> but they fast. Just, yeah, you had to get through it. So she, I mean, she. So you're. So you're uh, she restricted me somewhat. Your performance expectations now. In marriage, are yeah, yeah. are to be very quick about I, it. I brought you a, thought a it was lot a... of weird perspectives into my marriage, <laughs> having seen only fast forward sex. <laughs> my 
my entire uh, life. Yeah. Wow. Yep. That's great. I was so embarrassed with that. I remember um, we didn't discuss it. I didn't tell my mom. Now, speaking of guilty pleasures, uh, like horror movies, uh, you, now I, I'm in the same boat, but I feel like you had a, a special passion for it. Gangster rap. Um, tell me about your obsession with gangster rap and how that came about. Now, one of our first videos on our YouTube channel was White Boys Visit Compton, which was a podcast. First, you'll see that it says Rent and Link Cast, and uh, we released it on iTunes, and we started putting them on YouTube. That video, we give a little bit of this story, actually. I've, I haven't seen it in so long, I don't remember, but the the start of my love for rap music was your brother, Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, Cole was it was so cool to go to your house because not only did we get to hang out and we were friends but a guy who was four years older three th- three years older was there it's like okay this guy's a ju- we're, we're we're in eighth grade he's a junior in high school man yeah and he would try to pin me against you like not physically but like i remember that he would say, "Okay, you'd say I got the new, I got I got the new DJ Jazzy Jeff tape," and he'd be like, "I got the new Young MC tape," and this is this is way back in the day. But and he would say, "Which link? Which one do you like better?" <laughs> and I'd be like, "Well, I got to pick whoever like who Cole likes better because he's older and he's cooler." You didn't think he was cool. Oh, well, he, he was a jerk. You would guys get in, you would get in fights, and uh, I would just laugh and laugh and laugh. He would make you angry. Oh, in front, so he would, mad. He would make you angry in front of me just to embarrass you. Oh yeah. And then you got and I, and I and I took the bait every time. And you, I remember you got mad that one time, and you started chasing him. He ran in his room and, and slammed the door, and you threw your speed stick deodorant against the door, and it went everywhere like a fire. But do you know what he was saying at that moment? He was saying that I liked Melissa Hood. Ooh. Remember that? Melissa Hood, she lived uh, in the neighborhood. Oh, yeah, I remember. And uh, I, nothing I, wrong with liking Melissa Hood. I didn't like her, though. I mean, to, the, I'll, to this day, I'll throw deodorant at you if you tell me that I liked <laughs> Melissa Hood. No, but he, he just would start it, and he, would, and he kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And I remember you, the two of you ran. I, I can vividly remember this. I had a good arm. And you got you, you ran into his room, and I came into the top of the steps, and I, and I remember speed stick deodorant. And I threw it, it would have hit him between the eyeballs. If he didn't slam the door. He slammed the door and it just blew up and all over white, the door. White, Everywhere. Dust, particles everywhere. I was so mad. Um, but he liked gangster rap. Ice-T, NWA. NWA. And it was so off limits to listen to this stuff. Well, and that's another thing. Now, my mom let, let, let us watch uh, horror movies with her, but she did not know. Uh, she was ignorant about the gangster rap. She did not know what was being rapped about in my brother's room. And I felt like it was so cool to come to your house, and I felt like I was friends with a high schooler. I mean, I wasn't, but I had that illusion because I, if I took his side you would be angry and I would seem cool. Mm-hmm. It was great. And, and this music was, everyone always thinks that things have gotten worse. I, I, everyone thinks that things get, you know, there's moral degradation as time goes it on. It has not, no. it, That's not the case, okay? People have always been bad. People have always been good. Now, the music has not gotten any worse. I mean, may, maybe there's a little bit more mainstream well, acceptance. It was, I mean, NWA was very misogynistic, and it was very, I mean, and it was very brutal. I mean, it talking was about- over the top. G- gang, gang violence, but also 
I mean, she was just, it was out of the world. The worst world. songs were, they were explicitly sexual, misogynistic. It was, uh, I mean, there were a couple of songs that Cole felt so bad about that he he taped over them on, yeah, his, yeah, yeah. on his cassette tape. He had a little bit of a conscience. And the first CD I ever saw was one that Cole bought of a rap of like Gangstar. And yeah. I was like, this is so cool. One day I'll have a CD player. He didn't, I, to his credit, he did not have two live crew. Yeah, he, that, he, he knew there was a line somewhere. And if it was just like, okay, two live crew is just rapping about sex. That's that's it. So he's like, okay, I you know, I'm not I'm not gonna do that, but we can we can stick with the other stuff. Um we haven't gotten to any Twitter questions. Uh maybe we should move a little faster for these last ones. Random TV USA wanted me to ask you, uh, who was your best friend before Link? I, I don't know the answer to this actually. Do you remember uh, anybody uh, in California? Um uh, uh, that's a really good question. Um, I can honestly not tell you the first name of anyone in, from California. I was three, four, and five when we lived there. I'm sure that my my mom could help me think of this, but no, no, it, nobody do you remember. No. I mean, I, I grew up in uh, my my first best friend was Brad, this guy who I went to preschool with for years, and we like would dig holes in the driveway of what's his last name. Uh, can't McDonald, Brad McDonald. Um, so we were like preschool buddies. It was just two of us. Loretta Kepas, she's like four foot three inches tall, woman. Yeah. Um, and then kindergarten, Matthew Enzor, who we were friends with all through high school. Yeah. Was I thought he was the coolest guy because he could run almost as fast as Randolph Clegg who was a black guy and you weren't friends with black people when I was in kindergarten. I'm just, you know, that's just the way it was. So Randolph was the fastest guy. I wanted him to be my best friend, but he was black. So Matthew, the the fastest white guy, had to be my best friend. And I, and I want to clarify because I think that there's a lot of people who don't come from the same area in the same time that we came from. And it was a time when... Yeah, um, save me <clears throat> if I've said anything yeah, offensive. Well, I, I, I want to clarify that we come from a place where uh, there was, you know systematic racism and it was ugly it but it wasn't open you know by the right. time it was 1983 1984 no one was saying any we didn't hear people say racist things directly to people we didn't hear white people talk directly to black people in a racist way but, hardly ever but they but, also didn't talk to each other but, unless, you would, but but white people would talk negatively about about black people and vice versa uh within their own groups and then you were friends with with uh, people of other races. And really, where we come from, it was just white and black people. That was it. There were really very few Asian people, very few Hispanic people. But um, you didn't hang out and you weren't real friends. You didn't go to each other's homes and that kind of thing. And it was just the way it was. And we didn't know we didn't know any difference. So I, I'm just clarifying. There wasn't like thank, you- Thank you for rescuing me. Yeah, I, yeah. I was I was no more racist than anyone else at the time, but I was, I was brought up in that. And so I felt like, okay- the coolest people are the people who can run the fastest because in recess every day they we would have like student organized race foot races. The fastest people were the coolest people. I was nowhere near the fastest, so I just wanted to be friends with the fastest person or the fastest white person because that was and that was, that was my Enzor. only option. Yeah, Matthew Ensor. Um, and then it was uh, first grade when the next year when when we met. So I had a couple of. Uh, best friends. Now, Matthew Enzor's best friend was uh, J.R. I can't remember his last name right now. The blonde kid. So I knew that it was not reciprocated. I was not his best friend. <laughs> he so didn't I, give it back. I was very frustrated. And and then when, 
you know, we were, I mean, I, w- I don't know that we were immediately best friends. We were, we were very close friends, but I don't know if you'd apply that label until that we were best friends. Were we really? I, I would say that um, we were as good of friends as I had at, yeah. at the time all through elementary school. But I had these 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 friends that I mean, really, first and second grade, it was kind of like you know, I I had you and Tate Maddox and Michael Juby. Tate Maddox at the time, he, I mean, he was kind of a tool. I mean, he wore duck head shorts with the shirt, his shirt tucked in. But we thought, nobody else did. But that. we thought that was super cool. I did. He always had a girlfriend. Yeah, but, but I hated it, him but, for it. But then third grade, third grade is when Ben Greenwood moved into town, and Ben became. You know, we, me and you and him were as, and there were, and there were probably times, and I think this relates to Lexi Poe's question from Twitter. She says, was there ever a point when you guys were kids that you thought your friendship might be over? Hmm. Um, like a fight? No. But in terms of, am I, am I not, am I a second best friend now? Yes. Yeah, so, so two, so two part question. The first one, uh, there was definitely a time in which I thought that Ben was my best friend. I'd say like fourth fifth grade, we lived closer together, we spent more time together. Um, the three of us were together almost all the time, but then there was also a year in their fourth grade and fifth grade, which we were in different classes. Right, so Ben I w- was in my class. And I would, I would go over and hang out with you guys at Ben's house or at your house, and you would, you would report to me all the things you had done over the past two weeks when I wasn't hanging out with you. We found this weed that is hollow in the middle, and we've decided to smoke it, and we're calling it the Big George. Now, they did, we, they did not put anything in it. It was just it like- It was just an actual weed. It wasn't weed. It was, it was an, an weed, a weed. Yeah, and you would lit it on fire, and you simulated smoking it like a cigarette. You had no clue what you were doing. You didn't even know what marijuana was. Certainly. It, was it was horrible, though. But, but it was a weed, and you called it the Big George, mm-hmm. and you would build lean-tos, and Ben had all these ideas. And I remember feeling threatened then that, oh, yeah, he, they're, they're best friends. I'm on the fringe. I live across town. You lived across town, and you were in a different class. But I never thought that a like friendship- Like not social class, like a, like a, literary, <laughs> you were a, a different you, teacher. You were in a lower class. You lived in a smaller house. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, a different teacher. And, and I don't know how they do it uh, in eighth grade- you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade these days, but the way we did it is you were in the same class all day. Well, no, it's for sixth grade, but starting seventh, eighth grade, we did have different classes, different teachers. I, at this point in the, I'm just going to like come back to the reality of the ear biscuit here. And at this point, I'm thinking, all of a sudden, we've lost our, I feel like I've lost myself in our past, and I have no clue how this feels to anyone listening. Like, I feel like, oh, oh, Red Link, come back to us. You're well, reminiscing about your past. But that's why it's experimental. I mean, this is why we this is why we tried it. Is this the, going? I have this no is clue why we how want, this we is want to know how you, how you feel about it, and if you want us to continue to do this kind of thing. But let me answer this, the, the second part of the question. Oh, okay, was there a point when you were kids that you thought that your friendship might be over? Um, I would say that there were times, and you've relayed this to me before, uh, which I think is also a question that you might have for me uh, about girls. I have a question for you about girls. I do, yeah. Um, and that is that I had I was very obsessive about women, and fix would go from one girl to the next, fixated on a girl, whether she well, reciprocated that, uh, yeah, or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what's your question? Because I want to, I don't want to go too far. Well, so, well, well, my it's not really a question. I'm saying that there were times in which because of a girlfriend, I was so into a girl 
that yeah, I but kind that, of forgot about you for a oh, while. Oh, that I mean that certainly happened, but I didn't feel threatened as a best friend because it wasn't another friend. It was a girlfriend. That's a different thing. Uh, I I kind of feel like I I, de- I definitely had the question. I wanted to ask you why did you think. Why do you think you were so obsessive about girls? I almost don't want to ask it now because I feel like uh, when we want to keep the podcast to a certain length that I think there's some good stuff to unpack if, oh. if we decide this is a good thing Ooh, to do. We can wait for, the, we can do the relational, the girl stuff there because there's a lot of girl stuff. Oh, a lot of really good girl stuff. I mean, you know, sharing first girlfriend, sharing first kiss, uh, like your obsession with girls and okay. my, my fear of girls. That's I, what I, they call a teaser, Link. That's l- good. Let's make that another podcast. Um, not, not that we have to end it right now. I'm trying to see if, I'm looking through these Twitter questions to see if there's another one. I, I feel like this is kind of part therapy, like couples therapy. Like mm-hmm. what's happening here? Maybe a little bit of that. Do, are you, do you feel like you ha- you're getting an appreciation of our friendship? I, it's so easy to lose sight of how long we've been friends because you just get into the grind of what are we going to accomplish or what do we have to do this week or this month or well, where are we going? I, I, no, I, I think I am gaining appreci- appreciation of it. Finally. I do think it is a little bit like, not that I didn't appreciate it, I think it is a little bit like counseling without without a mediator. I do, if, unless you call the mythical beasts who are listening, the Ear Biscuiteers, the mediator, which is a weird way to think about it. Well, I them. sense their presence. Um, but I do, I, I think this is a good question to close with and this is a question that we used... Um, as a teaser over and over again on Good Mythical Morning season three, I guess it was, when we would, on our question episodes, we would say, did you do this, do you that, and did you ever, have you ever punched each other in the face? And we never answered the question. Did somebody ask that? So Deal Biz on Twitter, uh, who's followed us for a while, says, have you ever punched each other in the face? Hashtag throwback Thursday. He's been a fan for a while, so he knows that this is something that we used all the time as a teaser on Good Mythical Morning. So let's just close by answering that question. Have we ever punched each other in the face? No. We haven't. <laughs> okay, so that's it. We haven't. But I, but I will say, I, and I, have, we ever, have you ever reared back your fist at me? I mean, no. you, you were throwing the deodorant at me and Cole. Well, that was because Cole was involved. And I think that's the point I wanted to make. And that is, as children, as children, I don't think we were even ever even close to being on the verge of a physical altercation with one another. And I and I think that here's my theory, okay? Now, I, I have a theory. And and but I think that now in current our friendship is much deeper, much more complex, <laughs> stronger than it than it was when we were 12 years old. But the nature of our you know, the nature of our friendship and the nature of our business, the nature of this being in this creative endeavor together, there are times when we get very mad at one another. And there are a couple of times where we've gotten really mad at each other. I'd say in the, it, probably 10 times in the past 10 years where it's crossed my mind that we might be about to get into a fist fight. Like we might be, a, like we, th- that might happen. Like Really? Yeah, where, where we've been so mad at each other that it, it's crossed my mind that like it wouldn't be totally out of the question right now if one of us punched the other. But is it? But are you really thinking it wouldn't be out of the question if Link punched me at this moment? Is that really what you think? Yeah, you because I feel because you I don't I, I feel I, like you get madder than I do. Right, I feel like you think I would never punch him, but sometimes I just don't know. He just might 
go loose cannon on me. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm like, he's a lot madder than I than I thought that he was right now. And I'm, what I'm going to say is that when you were a child, <laughs> before you became a man, uh, that never happened. Like you, you never had that in you. You never had this. You never had this. Like I might punch you right now. I'm so mad. I'm going to punch you. You never had that. That was something that like began to emerge like after college. I think. As a kid, I remember getting so angry at certain things that my mom uh, floated the idea that what if what if you got a pillow that when you got angry you would punch it. <laughs> Like I remember that, and it's that was very unsatisfying. I think that was going into like dealing with puberty, but I do remember her making that suggestion. Hormones, you know, hormones going crazy, puberty going nuts. No pun intended. But uh, I actually tried it. I went to my room and I punched my bed, and I don't remember it helping. Uh-uh. But it, but it didn't play out in uh, in our friendship. Uh, we didn't really fight. I don't think we argued. No, I mean, what was there to argue about? I mean, there's, it, we got stuff to argue about every 30 minutes now because we're creating things. And there's right. a, you, you have, a, cre- creation uh, requires opinions. And uh, we're not always going to share the same perspective on things. Um, well, I think we've learned to accept that, uh, not that we couldn't do a better job of this, but, in general, the create the creative process there for us. There's there's a give and take, and there's a like let's throw this idea back and forth. Sometimes like throw it pretty hard back and forth until it shakes out into what it should be. Well, I also think that's another conversation is the whole creative process. The fact that there is a lot of conflict involved in it. So that now nobody we've got sees. three special episodes. If you uh, count this one, then we've got the girl episode, and then we've got the creative process. Unless this is a fail. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm open to that. All right. I'm open to that. Maybe I, it was, but I think it was good for us. But this is if no one else hears this. I think it was good for us to have some perspective on our on our friendship. That oh, this one's going out. Oh, this you think? One, oh, yeah, this one's going out. And Are you going to tell them that we that we recorded an, a one earlier that never went out? Is that what you're implying? Mm. Because uh, I think I just accidentally told them, yeah, yeah, that yeah. we already tried this and it didn't work. We were we tried this and it was a totally different format. We didn't like the way it turned out. Okay, there we admitted it. <laughs> Maybe it'll be like on some secret channel at some point. Yeah, it'll be. Uh, yeah, one day we'll exploit it when we can make it. We'll sell, money it, for, off of sell it. it for five dollars <laughs> from a, from a website, and you'll be severely disappointed. Created by our sponsor of this episode, Squarespace.com. No, you didn't. <laughs> really? Well, you did. You're doing this. I wanted. Okay. To, I wanted to transition to an outro, and then I thought about our sponsor again, and just thought, well, I'm going to make it natural, and then you screwed it up. Okay, I, I'll go there with you. Make your own website. It's easy. It's going to look good. Square Squarespace. <laughs> don't go to SpaceSquare.com. Yeah, go to Squarespace. Um, actually, I don't think it exists. So you can go to Squarespace.com. Uh, they'll help you set up a domain for spacesquare.com, and that can be your website. That's confusing. It could be anything you want it to be, and just remember, you get a free trial without a credit card, but then if you decide to do it, you get 10% off if you use the code that helps us, R&L. And we it, ho- are you still doing the plug? No, no, I'm moving on. Okay, you're moving back to, like we were in this like heartfelt moment of, that's, and then you're hey, like in the middle. That's the story of our lives. Yeah, now. it is, man. This, <laughs> hey, listen, I got you know we got to pay for this. <laughs> wow, I mean you that know? that is 
so pristinely <laughs> where we are professionally and personally. It's it's uh, just mashed. It's all mashed together. Listen, I would sponsor my face if I could. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Uh, what? What? What, do you, what does uh, that mean? <laughs> I could. Uh, I'm just kidding, man. Yeah, I'm okay, just kidding. I did sponsor I'll, I'll my that. hair though. If somebody would buy your face, <laughs> you would. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't tattoo it. This maybe like a like a shaving company or something. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, we've gone from uh, from heartfelt mm. introspection to blatant commercialization. Okay, let's go back. To, no, no, we don't have to go back to Crazy Town. Were you talking about <laughs> sponsoring your face? Like your face is a your face is a show. It could be a no. Bill, your like face a is a brand. A billboard. You you mean sell your face with ad space? That's yeah, what yeah, you yeah, meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean people will do this? By the way, you you talk at me like I'm crazy, but <laughs> talk at you. you know it, it, you, we've got this Google Glass thing is happening. Well, that's going to keep happening, and then th- they're going to start looking cool, and then there's going to be a button that you press on the side of them, and a message comes up on your glasses for other people. Billboard face. Yeah, yeah, and it'll be like square space. Square will be in one lens, and space will be in the other sp- other lens. Or if you if you buy that URL, then space square. If you're selling stuff, or yeah, if, yeah, yeah. If you're selling squares in space, you could probably hit a button and switch them. And you, if well, and what I'm saying is, if I believe in the brand, and it'll help us keep doing what we're doing, I'll do it. You'll. I'll do it. I'll put do it, it for gl- you. You'll put it on glasses. I'll put it on anything. I will not permanently tattoo it to my body. I will only do that with my wife's name, which I did, and you also did. For the right brand, I would tattoo my other butt cheek with the brand. But I would do it smaller than my wife's name, or mm-hmm. I would compensate. I would make my wife's name bigger because that would not fly at home when I drop trowel and next time, and it's like, what? Well, What's the price tag on that? Black and Decker is just as big as my. <laughs> <laughs> what's the price? What, seriously, what's the price tag for a butt tattoo? Well, I can't answer that because if I answer that, it gives people a window into how much we get for sponsorship anyway. Oh, okay. and I'm not comfortable. Yeah, yeah, we can't disclose that. I'm not comfortable giving people any point of reference for how much money but we listen, do or don't make. I won't say I won't say how much I'm willing to get paid, but I will throw it out there that if you want my butt cheek, <laughs> I'm willing to get that sponsored too. No one will <laughs> see it. Do you realize the irony in this? No, no. But what are you will, talking about? Your butt cheek. Nobody will, sees it. Well, my wife does. My wife. You're gonna, they're going to pay to advertise to your wife. My wife will buy whatever it is that's being advertised on my butt. And since when has she looked at your butt? I'm. I'm Every morning. No, she. I sleep in the she, nude. You think? I sleep in the nude. And why we, is this happening? And we have a mirror. And I, by one this, whole, I mean us discussing it. A, one whole half of our bedroom wall is a mirror. So if she doesn't see it when I get up, she sees it when I turn around. Can can we put this vehicle in reverse? <laughs> you asked about what it would take, what the effectiveness would be of me getting my butt tattooed with a sponsor. Black, you mentioned Black and Decker. I don't know if they're <laughs> if they're available. I don't know why. I, think it, I don't know why I mentioned Black and Decker because that would take I would two, two butt cheeks. cheeks, right? Yeah, you put Black on your cheek and I put and Decker on mine. <laughs> oh, you can just put Decker. We can we can hold the ampersand between us. <laughs> Okay. What is this about tattooing on butt cheeks that is something uh, that comes out of your psyche? Because we did it. Because you did it, yeah. I saw it I saw it actually yesterday. I don't see it often. But every once in a while I'm like, Oh yeah, I do have a tattoo. It's of my wife's name and it's on my butt. That's cool. 
That's, I mean, I don't regret it. There's never, never a day that goes by that I regret it. It's unlike, you know, a face tattoo or a neck tattoo. This is a butt tattoo. This is a different ball game. I've never regretted it either. Yeah. I would, uh, I've never thought about adding to it either though. Or adding any type of tattoo. I thought about getting it underlined for Valentine's Day. (laughs) (laughs) No, you didn't. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. Because it's minimal investment. Yeah, it's like it's just a line. What did you get me for Valentine's Day? I got I, you this line of I, ink. I underlined your name. So it's like every year. Then there's an expectation that next year I put it in quotes. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's condescending. It's like oh, yes. No, no. I mean, like my wife. I'm using Jesse. it like they use it on billboards and stuff that they don't understand. They use quotes for emphasis. I'm using it in that colloquial sense. No, I think that the expectation would be. Okay, you underline it again. Did you double underline I it? I could this keep year? keep underlining it, and then it would just be, it could become like a, all of a sudden it's on a pedestal. I could probably underline it for the rest of our marriage if the lines are small enough. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think it should be like a pedestal. Yeah, it's just a little line that if we stay married, this is the long best enough, idea I've had all week. By the way, if we stay married long enough. There's gonna there's gonna be a pedal still going down my right leg that holds up your name on my butt <laughs> it's cheek. Like, what is that tattoo? Well, it kind of it leads to my wife's name on my butt cheek. Yeah. Or you That's could good. you could do like puffy letters. You could I mean it's it's like cursive. I don't think you could do that at this point without screwing it up. But I could put a drop shadow shadow on it. <laughs> <laughs> this year I gave you a drop shadow. <laughs> it's like I mean there's something to that. Because there's a chat, there's a creative challenge that I that yeah. resonates with me. Yeah. That every Valentine's Day, what do you? Well, you did the underline. You did. You can't make it italics. Once it's no, once it's cursive. It's, yeah, once it's done, you can't. You can drop shadow it. You can quote it. You can underline it. I think we should end this. Put I mean, a, put I, a balloon around it. I, I, I don't. I mean, I don't. You know, I'm not going to say I don't trust Alex or Stevie in order to, to make the editorial decision. But I'm saying I think I want an easy letdown. I think we we just took that tattoo as far as we could and. And now we can just say that, you know, again, I want to remind you of a couple of things. Number one, if you liked this, let us know. Number two, uh, it helps us a lot when you go to iTunes and you rate our podcast, you leave a review. Have We're you on- ever seen those reviews where, not reviews, tattoos, you said review, where they like make a whole arm sleeve totally ink? Or like the guy for Rage Against the Machine, his whole left peck is ink like solid ink it's when they mess something up they just make it total ink like yeah. i could make everything on my right butt chink total ink except for Your her chink, chink butt chink <laughs> except for her her name so it would be like a it would be like a dark room with a spotlight on her name is what it would be try that see how that feels it'll t- well it's going to take time because i'm gonna do it by underlining her name you, i'm a circle her name every year you squealed so much when that happened <laughs> can't imagine you getting the whole butt cheek done.